The book of Psalms is the longest book in your Bible, 150 chapters. It's the longest book by far in the Old Testament, and of course, it's longer than any book in the New Testament. And if you want to know God better, you should give your, your attention, you should give your time to learning what's in the book of Psalms. Psalms is unique for a couple of reasons. It's unique in the first place because it's a book of praise. It's a collection of hymns, much like our songbooks that we just used to sing praises to God, except that it's an inspired book. All 150 hymns or songs in the book of Psalms are inspired by God. And that leads us to the second thing that's unique about it. It is the only book of the Bible that was given by God specifically for the purpose of giving it back to God. Think about that. We're supposed to take what we read in Psalms and it's given, yes, for doctrine, yes, for reproof and correction and those things. But more than any of those things, Psalms was given to the Israelites for worship. It's the only book that God gave mankind specifically so that man could give the book back to God in praise and devotion and worship. You know, when people just sell copies of New Testaments, I don't know, maybe you have one of those, just the New Testament, it almost always includes one Old Testament book. Which one? Psalms. People love the Psalms because you find comfort, you find joy, you find the range of human emotions in Psalms. And isn't it amazing that the God who made us, he knows how we feel in different situations and the highs of life are reflected in the Psalms and the lows, the depths of despair and discouragement are reflected in the the book of Psalms as well. You would do well in knowing God better to spending time getting to know the book of Psalms core curriculum. That's the name of the series. This is the last lesson in that series. Lots of other Bible books that we could talk about in this series. I wanted to finish with this one. Think about what's in Psalms just as we introduce the study. Psalms is interesting because it's not just one human author. There are actually several authors. Mark this down if you like taking notes. Everyone who wrote a Psalm was inspired. Everybody who wrote a psalm, the psalm would not have made it into the book of Psalms if the person who wrote the psalm had not been inspired by God. But there are lots of different authors of the psalms, you'll notice. The 150, you ask somebody on the street, well, who wrote psalms? And most everybody that knows much about the Bible would say, well, David wrote psalms. Yes, but not only David. A lot of others did as well. Moses wrote a psalm, Psalm 90. But not only Moses, David, as we mentioned, at least 73 and probably more of the Psalms were written by David. As you look at Psalms, there are a collection of Psalms, Psalm 42 to 49, that were written by some men called the sons of Korah. They were probably priests in the, uh, in the Levitical temple, and they wrote some songs for Israel to sing. They were inspired by God. Asaph wrote a number of Psalms, Psalm 50, for example, but also 73 through 83, a couple of others. And then there is a section starting in Psalm 120 through 134 called the Songs of Ascents. And while the author is somewhat mysterious of the Songs of of Ascents, these are songs that presumably the Israelites would have sung as they were going up to the temple to worship and to pray. And as you look at Psalms, think about what this book is. It's not just, it's not just a book like Genesis, 
that starts in Genesis 1 verse 1 and goes to the end of chapter 50. And there's a, there's a theme and a plot and there, is, um, there, there are some things that the writer of Genesis, Moses, is doing. What you find in Psalms is that these are individual chapters, individual songs. And oftentimes, because of the way it's arranged, oftentimes one chapter is related to the next, but not always. And so sometimes one psalm might be full of joy and, and praise for God, and the very next psalm might be a psalm of lament, a psalm that is sad and that despairs. And there's not a lot of continuity necessarily in terms of what's happening from one psalm to the next. It's a collection, just like, again, our songbooks would be a collection of songs, only this one's inspired. I put this on your handout if you got one on the way in this evening, but there are five groupings within the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms, there are five groupings, five books. And the way that we know where these groupings are is because of how the Hebrew Bible was arranged, but also because at the ends of these groupings, there are some, there are some meaningful things that are said. So in book one of Psalms, there is Psalm 1 through 41. Most of David's Psalms are written and put into books one and two. And so when, when they took all these inspired documents, all these inspired hymns, and they put them into one book that we know as the book of Psalms, they arranged them purposefully so that there were the same authors in some places and the same kinds of themes in a lot of places. Book two is Psalm 42 through 72. Book three is 73 through 89. Book four of Psalms is Psalm 90 through 106. And then book five, the last one is Psalm 107 through 150. Of interest, I mentioned a moment ago the lament psalms, the lamentation psalms, the psalms that are full of sorrow and pouring out your heart to God when you're hurting and when you're going through despair. Those are mostly concentrated at the front of the book. So in, in the first couple of books of psalms, you'll have a lot of lament psalms, a lot of sad psalms. And then as you get towards book four and especially into book five, those lament psalms start to give way. They're still there, but a whole lot more praise as you get toward the end of the book. And one writer that was studying Psalms put it this way, it's almost as if Psalms brings you out of despair and despondency and brings you through praise and worship into a relationship with God where there's joy and there's praise and there's exaltation of the Most High God. That's what the books of Psalms tend to do. They tend to bring us to praise God. So as we think about Psalms tonight, I wanted this to be kind of a shorter lesson you're welcome. And having done that, let's talk first of all about the categories of Psalms. Categories of Psalms. As you read through the 150 Psalms, and, and there are a lot of them, sometimes it's helpful to kind of categorize them, to kind of put them into boxes so that they're similar types that we can study together. I'm going to give you four categories. This is not inspired, the categories of Psalms. These are just people's observations as they look at characteristics within the Psalms, but they are helpful for studying. What kind of Psalm is this and what can I learn from the Psalm? There are praise Psalms. Open your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is an example. Praise Psalms are exactly what they sound like. And sometimes there are also what we call Thanksgiving Psalms and sometimes they get lumped together, praise and thanksgiving, and sometimes they're separated as, as people are studying. But look at Psalm 19, beginning in verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above, the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. 
It's praising God. We just sang a moment ago with Brother Tom in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord. Psalm 19 verse 7 is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's a psalm of praise to God, of worship to God. Other psalms like this, and there's a lot of them. Psalm 47, Psalm 98 a number of praise psalms. Randy read a few moments ago from Psalm 145, I believe, and again, a praise psalm, a psalm that offers worship and praise. Praise the Lord, praise Him for His works, praise Him for who He is. Incidentally, taking notes, two reasons to praise God, because of who He is, number one, because of what He's done, number two. Who He is, what He's done. As you read the Psalms, you'll find both of those frequently, back and forth, back and forth, because of who He is, because of what He's done, because of what He's done, because of who He is. That's why we ought to praise our God. Second category of Psalms, lament Psalms. These are, I've mentioned them a couple times already, these are songs of sadness. They are Psalms that are prayers to God when somebody is hurting, when somebody is frustrated, when somebody is in pain, when somebody is struggling. There are a lot of lament psalms. As a matter of fact, it is the biggest category in the book. At least one third of the 150 psalms are laments. And a lament is basically a cry to God. It's saying, how long, O Lord, will you cast me off forever? Or it says, God, my enemies are all surrounding me and I need you to deliver me. Or it says, God, When I become old in my old age, do not forsake me, do not leave me alone. Lament Psalms, they cry out about real human problems, things that are going on in people's lives, and they bring those appeals and petitions to God. They are well worthy of your study. Again, in a book about worship and a book that shows us how to relate to God, God has shown us in the Psalms how to bring our pain and our struggles to Him. Lament Psalms, worthy of your time. Wisdom Psalms, we've been singing with kids sing Psalm 1 recently. That is a wisdom Psalm. It's not so much a praise to God, although it does that by by implication, but blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, that's given wisdom to you. How are you supposed to live your life? What are you supposed to do? What does God desire of you? He wants you to delight in the law of the Lord and in his law, meditate day and night. And when you do that, you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, that's leaf shall not wither. You're gonna prosper in all that you do because you love the Lord and you love his word. It's a wisdom Psalm. There are several of these. And then you've probably already imagined we're gonna talk about this, Messianic Psalms they talk about the coming of the Messiah, about Jesus. Psalm two is the very first messianic Psalm. It talks about God's anointed King. When people talked about Jesus being the son of God, they were not thinking about the fact that he was born of Mary. They were thinking about the fact that he is the King that's mentioned in Psalm two. Psalm two is where you find the real meaning biblically of son of God. Now, is it true that Jesus was born of a virgin? Yes. But son of God has to do with the son that's being, that's being put on the throne by God in Psalm 2. Psalm 24 is a messianic psalm. Psalm 110 is a messianic psalm. Incidentally, before I leave this point, some psalms can be read under more than one category. For example, you see Psalm 22 up there on the screen behind me? I put it as a lament psalm because that's what it is. It begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now. Before the cross, nobody associated that with Jesus necessarily. 
They were thinking about whoever the psalmist was and how he was going through such a painful experience. God, it seems like you've left me. It seems like you've forsaken me. And so you can read that lament psalm as a lament of somebody in ancient Israel, but you can also read it as a messianic psalm because it so clearly displays the events of the cross. So some psalms could be read under more than one category. It's useful to remember. Next, as you think about psalms, what is their purpose? I believe their purpose is twofold. As I've said this evening already, God gave us psalms so that we could give psalms back to God, but specifically so that the ancient Israelites could. Their purpose is twofold. Number one, their purpose was to be used in the public worship of Israel. When the Israelites came to the temple to worship, these are the songs they sang. When the Israelites assembled in the synagogues and they sang together, these are the songs they sang. Psalm 92 tells us, I mean, the title of it is a song for the Sabbath day. This is what you sing, God says, on the Sabbath day, when you gather with your other people, with the, with the covenant people of God. Psalm 122 verse one begins, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I have preached Psalm 122 verse one for years and I have in mind the church. But the way that Psalm was written, it was not written about the church, it was written about the temple. This was a song that they sang as they were going up to the temple, to the house of the Lord, to worship God together. And so one of the purposes of Psalms is for the Israelites to use these and the Levites would lead the Israelites, it seems, in songs. The Levites would often play instruments. This was something that happened in the Old Testament. And they would lead the Israelites in songs to God, public worship. But secondly, purpose, they are also for individual prayer and worship. They're also for individual prayer and worship. For example, Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. Against you, you only I have sinned. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's David praying to God and asking God personally for forgiveness. And one of the uses of Psalms is that you can take them and you can pray them individually. You could sing them individually back to God as an Israelite. Psalm 23 seems to be not a corporate, not a group Psalm, but a personal Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. It's about God and me, about God being my shepherd. And so the two purposes as you read Psalms are public, corporate worship, and then individual prayer and worship. Let me add this as you read Psalms. Most Psalms do not give you a lot of historical background. And that frustrates people like you wouldn't believe because, well, I want to know what the Psalmist meant here when he said his enemies surrounded him. Did you know that it's actually intentional? The fact that God did not record and the psalmist did not record by inspiration the specific circumstances that afflicted them, that's actually intentional. And the reason why is because God intended for other people to take these words and to appropriate them for their own lives. That's what God wanted you to do and me to do with the Psalms. He wants us to take whatever's going on with this psalmist 3,000 years ago, he wants me to take what this psalmist said and to repurpose and reappropriate it for my life, for what's going on with me. It's like, it's akin to when you listen to songs on the radio and maybe you know a little bit about the background of the song that you know, the, the writer has put on the radio and you know the song, but it has a different meaning for you. 
It, it's, it's not that there's a different interpretation or anything. It's just that this song resonates with my heart. And that's what Psalms is like. The, the events and the circumstances that precipitated the Psalms, you can take all that out because God doesn't put it in the scriptures in the first place. And you can use Psalms yourself to talk about what's going on in your life. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David's probably a shepherd out there and he's, 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 a, uh, he's watching his sheep and he's thinking about his relationship with the sheep and things like that. You don't have to know any of that to understand for your own life and your own heart, I need a shepherd because I'm not very good at making decisions for myself and I want God to be my shepherd. You can appropriate this for your own life. The purpose of Psalms is not to argue, persuade or convince. It's not trying to convince you of a lot of things or persuade you to do a lot of things usually. The main purpose is to confess a profound faith in and love toward God. I think that's the quote that we need to take away from this particular study. The purpose is to profess faith and love toward God. God, I love you, I need you, I want you. You are my all in all. You are worthy of praise, both because of who you are and because of what you do and what you have done and what you've promised to do. All those things make you praiseworthy, make you worthy of my worship. Third, when you read Psalms, you must read them in the context of Israel's covenant with God. You're going to struggle to make sense of Psalms if you don't do this. Israel had a covenant with God and the Psalms were written as part of the Old Testament. So whatever you're reading in Psalms, first think about the psalmist and his covenant with Almighty God. Think about this. The psalmists write frequently about the presence of God. And when they call God and they call on his name, they call him my God or our God. And those possessive words, mine, our, he's my God, he's our God. What they're saying is they're saying, God made a covenant with us. Write this in your notes. Exodus 19 verses four through six. Exodus 19 verses four through six. That's the beginning of God's covenant with Israel. God said, I brought you out on eagle's wings to make you a peculiar people, a special people for my own possession. Will you agree to be in a covenant with me? And the people said, yes, all that the Lord says we will do. God made a covenant with them, and that's the basis upon which the psalmist can say, he's my God. As you read the Psalms, you'll read about the actions of God in history. Open your Bibles to Psalm 136. Psalm 136, just for a moment. The psalmists often will appeal to God. They'll talk about what he has done, and they'll say, God, you've done this for our people already. Please continue to bless us and rescue us and save us and help us in the future. And so look at Psalm 136 verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 10, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his steadfast love endures forever. He's remembering how God saved those Israelites in Egypt. And then in Psalm uh, 136 verse 11, God brought Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever. They're thinking about God's covenant with his people. The law of God is spoken of frequently in Psalms, how the law of God is perfect, how it changes us, how we are to conform to it. In fact, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And Psalm 119 focuses on, emphasizes the law, the word of God. And then as you think about the covenant, God frequently inspires the psalmist to talk about kingship. 
but especially you find that God is a king in the book of Psalms, Psalm 93, Psalm 47, other places. The kingship of God, the fact that he is the one who rules over his people, who guides them, who counsels them, it's his law that they're to follow. So when you read Psalms, you're going to have to, in your mind and in your study, you're going to have to think about this is a book of people speaking about people who are in a covenant with God who speak to him and praise him and worship him. And you have to work through the book that way. It's important, critically important to do that. Having said all this, let me make this suggestion and I'll leave the lesson with you. The suggestion is this, why not spend some time in the next couple of months reading the Psalms? And here's my suggestion. You didn't take this or leave it. Take it for what it's worth. Doesn't add to the cost of the sermon. Suggestion is this. Begin with the day of the month. Today is April 30th. And so what you're going to do is you're going to look at five psalms. You'll skim over all five and you'll pick one and read it a little bit more deeply. That's all you have to do. Skim over all five and then read one a little bit more deeply. How do you pick the five? Today's April 30th. So you would read Psalm 30. You'd skim over it. You'd skim over Psalm 60, add 30 to it. Okay. Skim over Psalm 60, Psalm 90, Psalm 120, and Psalm 150. And whichever one strikes your fancy, whichever one you say, wow, that's, that's amazing. I want to study that one a little bit more in detail. Go back and study that in detail. Just add 30 to it and do five. Does that make sense? So if tomorrow is May 1st, you'd start with Psalm 1. Oh, we've been memorizing that and kids sing. And then you'd go to Psalm 31, because we're doing math now, and then 61. See, that's, that's how this works. And that's, that's what you do as you read through the Psalms. You can read through the Psalms in a month just doing that, that exercise. That's my suggestion to you. God gave us this book so that we could speak to him and it'll enrich your prayers. It'll change your relationship with God. It will help you to know him better, to see what's going on in your life differently. Psalms will change you if you'll let it. That's the whole purpose of God's word in the first place, to transform us, to make us more like our savior, Jesus Christ. And don't miss this. When Jesus was on the cross, he prayed through the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, into your hands I've commit, I commit my spirit. Jesus was thinking about these passages in his last moments. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not a New Testament Christian. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the Bible says that God made a covenant with a nation. He made a covenant with Israel as a people. But in the New Testament, now, God makes his covenant with individuals. So you're not saved because you're part of a nation. You're saved because you have decided that you want to respond to God, that you want to come to him in loving, submissive, obedient faith, and that you want to put Christ on in baptism. That's how today you join the covenant that Jesus calls the new covenant. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 verse 38. If you're ready to be part of the new covenant tonight, there's no better time, no better place than right here and right now to put on Christ. If we can help you do that, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing. We found in the Psalms 145 verses one through three, the book of Psalms 145 verse one through three, that can be found on page 524 in the Bible in the pew in front of you.